welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, action, and choices that you can make to bring more joy into your life, into the world, and into other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 232 here on Jumpstart Your Joy. This week, I am so excited to have Susie Solaviv join me of Your Sacred Record. She's joining me as part of the Joy of Marketing Month, and it is such a delight to have her on to talk about how you can bring more joy and ease and fun to your marketing. Susie is a storyteller at heart, and as a narrative coach, she works with people to find their true through line and the larger story that they want to share with the world, and then she helps them with how they can bring that through in their bio or their site copy or how they explain what it is they do to prospective clients. Now, even if you don't have a small business or you're not an entrepreneur, I assure you, you're gonna learn so much about how you could present yourself either in your LinkedIn profile or how you present you know, your next big idea at a company meeting. There's so much to glean from this conversation that I want you to listen even if you're not an entrepreneur. What I love is that Susie is going to share some of her tips with you about how to write a really compelling bio. We also talk about why she has puppets in some of her business material and on her Instagram feed. And then we are going to dive into why you need to include pricing upfront on your website so that clients can see it before you even have that first conversation. So stay tuned for that. Before we get there, I want to give you a very warm welcome and say thank you so much for tuning in to Jumpstart Your Joy. It is such a treat to get to be with you guys every Tuesday and Thursday and talk about how you can bring more joy to your world. Of course, we right now are in the joy of marketing month and looking at how you can make marketing more fun and easy and joyful because that's what I think it is and what it can be for everyone, even though some people think it's kind of gross. <laughs> Last week on the show, I had the honor of having Lisa Princheck join me of Scaling Deep, and we talked about how you can infuse your marketing with your personality and how you only need to pick one or two important things to focus on as you look at what you might want to do with outbound marketing for your small business. Go back and listen. It's episode 230. I will also say that if you're curious about what goes on at Jumpstart Your Joy, you want to find out more, you can head on over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. While you are there, I highly encourage you to sign up for the newsletter, which is three joyful things. It's where I unpack the inspiration, intention, and action that you can take based on an aha moment that I have in the conversation with the guests that week. I'm really excited about the one I'm doing for Susie for Thursday. So you really want to sign up like right now so you'll get it. <laughs> because that's super secret and it doesn't get released here on the show or on the website right away. Also, while you're there, you can find show notes for this episode where I'm going to link up to the things that Susie and I talk about. That's at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Susie. And of course, while you're on the website, you can also listen to the past 231 episodes that are there. So a little bit more about this conversation that Susie and I have before she comes on. Susie is such a great mix of storyteller, truth finder, and narrative coach. And when she originally pitched herself, she talked about how she harnesses the power of Mad Libs. Oh my goodness. 
to help people find their most authentic through line and bio that they can then share with the world. Of course, this this is mind blowing to me. And it was a big, you know, of course, you I want you to be on the show right away, because she also loves musical theater. She's a multi passionate, there's so many things in common, that it was just a perfect fit to have Susie join us. So welcome to the show, Susie Solaviv. Thank you. Yay! Yay! <laughs> well, the first question that I ask everybody is, tell us what you loved most as a child or in school. What were your earliest sparks of joy? I have always been a performer. I have some regrettable videotapes of the shows my friends and I would put together. We honestly didn't understand that life was not like Disney movies. Like you couldn't just burst into song and then there would be backup music. So I remember walking around my backyard doing that. I've always been a reader. Everybody in my family is, including now my three-year-olds. We're all readers mm. and singing. Singing has been one of the best things in my life since I was a small child. I love it so much. And like, we really are very similar people. Okay, my best friends and I, we were part of the Ladybug Club. And the Ladybug Club put on some really epic theatrical performances, including one that was Annie on a cut-off pair of pantyhose on my head. Anyway, <laughs> low budget. Thank you for taking me back there. So I can totally relate to kind of just being fascinated with theater and bringing it like into every moment. It's so cool. I just want to stay there for a while, really. Will you tell us what you do now and who do you work with? Absolutely. So I am a narrative and business coach. So I help people, particularly people who have small businesses, tell their stories in a way that feels true to them in order to maximize their income. So I have been work I've worked with people on their websites, their elevator pitches, I've run classes, I've done some copywriting. Um, the business side of things just kind of happened organically. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I had a friend who contacted me because he knew that I did some coaching and had worked with coaches and he wanted help and he wanted help finding a coach. So we got on a call and we chatted for about an hour. And at the end I said, well, I didn't help you find a coach, but I think we have a good plan for moving forward. And he was like, oh yeah, well, how much do you charge? And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> And that just opened up this whole new side of my business. I work primarily with women, but really I work with everybody. Anybody who wants to tell their own story and feel good while they do it. Yeah, I love that so much. And of course, February is the joy of marketing month. And what you just said really layers into some of the things that I also found true about my own business as I, you know, I make podcasts and produce, produce podcasts for other people. But I love that little nugget about how you got on a call with someone who you knew before, because this is exactly what happened to me, <laughs> and <laughs> talked about the thing that you loved, and then landed your first client. Because that is exactly what happened to me. And I think if you look back, I mean, if people are like, wait, what? I mean, it really was kind of a sales call, was it? I mean, could we call it that? <laughs> yeah, so much of it is really organic, and uh, we can find our own processes are already set up if we pay attention to what we've been doing. Oh, yes. Underline that. <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> did you just hear that? Because it's so true. I'm just getting really excited here. Because I think the thing that I found for myself was that marketing is not really a chore or awful or icky because I'm really talking about something that I love so much and that I could talk to anybody about any day. 
and would like gladly without being paid for it. And I think when, I don't know if we could talk about this too, but like, I feel like when we figure that piece out, then marketing just becomes easy and joyful and fun. Yeah, exactly. I think that when marketing becomes arduous or becomes a chore, it's because you're trying to push something that you don't really want to be doing, or you're trying to connect with people who you don't really want to connect with. When you get it right and you're kind of in the flow, it's really just like having a conversation with your friends Mm -hmm. and you're letting them in on this great thing that you love doing and that you're excited to do and that they're going to be excited about too. But you can't have that conversation at a cocktail party with somebody who's your polar opposite, right? I have worked with a lot of scientists, okay? So I say this with love, but I could not walk up to a scientist and initiate a conversation about the joy of marketing. They just would have no idea what I'm talking about. But if I were at if I were at a networking event or hanging out with a group of my girlfriends, I could just go on and on because I already feel that love for them and that love for the subject matter. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so important. I know going through like life coach training, which I did, I feel like there's a lot of anxiety around how one markets one's business. But I feel intuitively I went towards podcasting. And and originally that's how this whole thing started was I thought, oh, I need a marketing arm for this coaching business I'm setting up. And then I just started Mm -hmm. talking about the podcast all the time. And of course, then that became its own business, which it's fascinating to me, but there's something in there about trusting your gut and knowing what you're going to love and just kind of following it. I feel like that's part of the process is follow what feels really good. And it's funny how that flows through with talking about yourself and what you do and how you do it. If it feels right, it's just going to be magic. True. And if it doesn't feel right, I think you're just going to end up in a place that you hate. And so it's not going to work. But I think oftentimes leaning into joy or per Brene Brown, softening into joy is really scary. It feels really vulnerable and it feels really vulnerable to admit that you're very excited or very enthusiastic about something. But the more you do it, the more you practice it, the more you won't settle for anything less. Brene talks about that too, that joy is super vulnerable. And it's funny how people kind of back away from it. But I mean, that's Exactly what I found to be true is that when I kept saying yes to the thing that would light me up, then new doors would just fly open and it was not ever a battle, which was super interesting. Yeah, 100%. So right before I I left my job uh, to go all in on Sacred Record, my company, I was in a position that I truly, truly hated. Mm. It was like it was the wrong fit. I loved my boss. I let her know that it was the wrong fit. She knew, we all knew. And I just got worse and worse and worse at it. (laughs) And I felt like everything was kind of shutting down around me at the job. Like my responsibilities were getting narrower. But when I opened my business, it was exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. The more I did things that were fun for me, like Feed Your Story, which is my group class, the more people were drawn to that. Or, oh my God, this is the best example. So whenever I break out my puppet, people love my puppet. His name is Muffin Mugson. Um, the, coming from a theater background, I have a very nerdy interest in puppets. Mm-hmm. Um, I just adore them. It's something 
one of the quirkiest things about me, I think, and one of the one of those really vulnerable areas of interest because puppets are very polarizing. I found that every time I've like randomly broken out the puppet on my Instagram or my Instagram live, people just go nuts for it. Like, mm. how funny is it that like I'm connecting to people through this puppet, which I would never have thought would become part of my business. I'm not sure I would recommend starting with puppets if you're thinking of going in that direction in marketing <laughs> maybe after you've found a little more of your audience <laughs> it does a couple of really interesting things not knowing your particular puppet very well but it's very memorable i mean for sure and yes. it's something that then gives you a standout piece i mean but you had to be vulnerable and say yes to said puppet before you could use it at all. And, and, I, and I'm getting the sense too, that it's out of sheer and utter delight that that's how this puppet came to be as part of what you talk about and kind of what your brand is. Yeah, that's exactly right. So this particular puppet's name is Muffin Mugfin. And I actually crowdsourced his name from my followers on Instagram when I first got him. Yeah. Um, I broke him out because I was so excited to have found this handmade puppet for $20. And I could not make up my mind about what to call him. It's definitely out of, out of delight. I think I take a lot of joy in like highly performative things mm-hmm. and in breaking out unexpected things for people. And that comes from my background as a performer. I like to shake people up a little bit, but in a way that's delightful, um, not a way that's predatory. Like I'm never going to tell people that they lack anything which is something that I hate seeing other people do like I hate seeing people say oh you need to uh, lose that weight you need to blah 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 right. um, I would much rather say hey wouldn't it be great if or how can we add to well and I think brings you delight like I often bring my dog chewy He's adorable, and I love having him on the feed, and people always seem to really like him. But it's partly because I love him, and I think he's adorable. And so I think some of that like kind of transfers over to... But I th- there's, some, there's a really juicy nugget in here, too, about returning to the things that bring you joy. I mean, that's part of why I asked the question of like what lit you up as a kid to everybody, because I think there's something really interesting about returning to that childlike delight. That often as an interview progresses, I end up and we all end up seeing like, oh, yeah, now I can see that through line of they love that, you know, performing (laughs) in your case. And I can see how that's playing through now in the work that someone does. And and especially when it's somebody who's in a creative career or in a place that they're really shining, you can see that there was that through line. And so I think it's it's so awesome that you're connecting with that because I think other people want to connect with the childlike delight as well. People know when you're having fun and they want to have fun too. So if you're enjoying yourself, they're much more likely to go along with you Mm -hmm. uh, wherever, wherever it is you want to take them. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that your business name is sacred record. Could you talk about how that breaks out into what you do and, and what is a sacred record? You know, it's so funny. I worked with Michelle Ward and I came up with the name during a session with her, but 
when the name first came to me, I really didn't want it, but it was like it kept inserting itself. It just felt like the right thing over and over again. So there, there are a couple of layers to it. First of all, sacred, the dictionary definition that I use is connected with God or the gods or dedicated to a religious pur- purpose entitled to reverence and respect. And then record means to set down in writing, to give evidence of um, from the Latin record, core meaning heart. Um, mm. And then, of course, a record is also something that you play music on. Mm. So I loved, I think people's histories and stories inform our own history, leads us to where we are now. And the story that we tell ourselves takes us where we're going next. Uh, and so to me, that is absolutely connected to a higher power, a higher purpose. And it is absolutely entitled to reverence and respect. I also think it's important that it that your story kind of flow like music or even better like an album with one song leading into another, leading into another. So the whole thing, like the best records, the reason people love to buy records and the thing people miss about them aside from the sound quality, is that they told a complete story and they took you on an emotional journey from start to finish. So there's a lot in there for me. Um, And I think in many ways, the name is more for me than anyone else because it it reminds me of my purpose to help bring people's stories to light. The thing, when you said the COR and record, that it also goes back to the word of heart. A monk once told me that courage also has that same root. It's coraggio, and that core part means of the heart. So it means record and courage. They're all related. Like, you got to have the courage to go do this work. I love that you said yes to something that kind of hit you out of the blue. And you're like, oh, no. (laughs) What is that? Because it even feels a little bit like Liz Gilbert-ish, which is like that thing comes and kind of flirts with you and like says, hey, do you want to bring me to life? And you're like, oh, no, really? Me? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's your feeling, but that definitely was mine with the podcast, which was like, oh, I don't know. Joy? Really? <laughs> that was my feeling for yeah. sure. <laughs> I tried to run a little bit. Uh, I think so much of my journey as an entrepreneur has been about learning to trust myself again. Mm. And I think that's ultimately a lot of the work that I do with my clients. And I think that's why people, people come to me and, and pay attention to me because like I have spent a lot of time figuring out what stories I'm telling myself and how to, how to change them, how to improve them, how to make them more true. And I do the, I do the same thing with my clients. The thing that I'm hearing in there is that it's really about someone unpacking how it is that they can sound like themselves instead of them sounding like someone else. Because, I mean, I think there's so much out there that's baked in. Like we see somebody else doing something in a certain way and we're like, oh, I love them. And then it's really easy to either feel like we have to sound like them or we don't see another, I don't know, template even for being ourselves. So we end up in this place where we sound like all the other coaches or all the other podcasters or whatever. So I I think that's what you were talking about is like, how do you kind of shake off those shoulds or how do you release the stories that tell you you should be somebody different than who you really are at the, at the core, if you will. 
Yes. As my uh, therapist years ago said, you're shooting all over yourself. How do you help people get past those stories or those shoulds to talk about themselves in a really authentic way? Oftentimes it starts with writing somebody's bio. Mm. As simple and straightforward as that sounds, people have such a hard time writing a professional bio, in particular women, because they look at all of these things that they've done in their lives and they don't see how amazing each separate thing is. They just see it as a story that builds up on itself up to this point now where they are not enough. They feel like they're not enough now in this moment. They have something that they're trying to figure out. And so they're not able to recognize all of the great and even amazing, unique things that they've done in the past, usually because they're comparing themselves to someone else. Oftentimes it takes breaking down each piece of the story, asking them to tell me more about each individual piece for them to recognize that something is really an accomplishment or genuinely interesting. So one of my clients is a writer. She's an incredible writer and she writes all the time, but she constantly refers to herself as a housewife and talks about how she leads the housewife life. And it took us like four versions of her bio <laughs> for her to be able to put herself down as a writer first. Wow. It's like you are home with your kids and that's a great and noble thing, but look at everything you're doing at night. So I think sometimes people tend to weigh one side of their life over another and it, it doesn't have to be that way. You can highlight different pieces for different things. And you have to practice a lot of self-acceptance to be able to do that, to say like, I am more than one thing and I can be something different in different contexts. We really want like one straightforward answer to who we are. And oftentimes there isn't one. Yeah. Well, and that right there is so true, especially of multi-passionates, which I know there are a lot of listening. And I think it's really hard. Maybe is there kind of a double whammy there for people, women who are multi-passionate, who also want to be entrepreneurs, maybe it's a triple threat of first owning that magical thing about ourselves that we've probably been doing for years, maybe in different capacities, but there's a through line and just finding it. And then talking about it and saying I'm an expert at it is scary. And also realizing that the thing we're doing that's lighting us up on the side or in our spare time or whenever we can get to it is like, it's okay to like bubble that up to the top of your bio because you're probably really good at it and you're just not giving yourself enough credit. Yeah. And you're doing your clients or readers or whoever a huge disservice if you don't put that on display, because if you don't frame yourself the right way, then they might not realize that you are their people. You have to find that commonality with the client or the reader or whoever. It's really hard for for women in particular. And oh, I often tell clients that what I do is like KonMari, but <laughs> for the soul, we lay everything out on the table and then we pick and choose which pieces spark joy. And those are the pieces that we end up putting into the bio or into the website or into the business. I think it's important because there's some little element in there too that when we start to talk about what is it that I do, I feel Uh, like I have to put in all the things, but I don't know that then when I become a creative entrepreneur, I really understand. I mean, most people don't care that I was like the community leadership 
coordinator at Yale Divinity School. It doesn't say anything about who I am or why they'd connect with me now. It's just like a bullet point. So how do you connect then with the people that may want your services or are going to be part of your community? Because when they don't know that you love puppets or, you know, used to sing in your closet with your three best friends, they can connect with you when they hear that, but they're not going to connect with me when they're like, oh, great, community leadership coordinator. There's no connection point because it doesn't, there's nothing heartfelt about it. So here is my secret for you and for, you know, whoever is listening out there, your bio, your LinkedIn, your Facebook page, that is all marketing. And in marketing, you get to pick and choose what you put in to attract and to connect to those people. So here's my formula for writing professional bio. But the three elements that you need in a professional bio are credentials, connection, and intrigue. You have to have your credentials there, which are your technical proof that you are qualified in whatever way. So degree in X worked at Y, certificate in C. But then you also have to have some sort of emotional connection to your audience or client. That is something that you throw out there that's about you as a person. So like I always talk about how I was in theater or I talk about how I have a kid that automatically gives me a connection to anyone who has a kid. Just some little hook that'll help people to buy in. And then the last thing you need is something that's a little intriguing that makes people want to learn more. So that could be that you're on a mission to, I don't know, save corgis from wearing heinous costumes. Or I like to throw out the name of my cat because it's really weird. Or the name Sacred Record. That tends to make people want to know more about the company. Why is it called that? That's kind of a weird name and so on and so forth. So if you have those three elements in there, then you will be showing off who you are as a person. You'll get the technical credits in there and you'll leave the audience wanting more, wanting to connect with you a little further. And you'll probably be a lot happier with your bio. Yeah. Well, and there's so much brilliance in that. Thank you so much. I will put those three in the show notes. Um, But I think it's so cool because people love a formula. I mean, formulas are great when they help you get through the noise. So I think this is super helpful for that. And leaving people with wanting a little bit more is special because then they'll come back and it feels like it's the start of a conversation instead of it just being those kind of unpleasant third person. Highly technical bio is something that turns everybody off. Yeah, because it just Um, feels like show off time. Like it feels like, okay, I'll just say this. It feels like that person is telling me that I'm not good enough. Yes. When it's in the yes, third person totally. and they're listing off all their uh, impressive accolades. And I don't really want to work yes. with them. I'm kind of intimidated by them. Yeah. And when that person wrote that bio, writing out all of their credentials was probably their own way of validating themselves. They didn't know how to feel good about themselves. So they started listing all of these things that they know are valid because they came from an external source. I loved what you just said about starting a conversation because that's exactly what it's supposed to do. And that's exactly where the fun in marketing comes in. Yeah, Like good marketing isn't just shouting at someone, it's initiating a conversation. Right. Well, and then you are joyfully able to find people that you want to talk to and that you want to do business with. And then when you start doing business with them, it's all coming from this place of relationship. And 
I can't think of a better way to have a client. I mean, really, truly, the clients that I have right now, I mean, I can honestly say I love all of them. And like, we laugh our butts off constantly, whatever it is that we're talking. And I mean, like, oh my gosh, isn't that why I'm starting a business? It's because I I don't want the nine to five and I don't really want the stress. There's still stress. There's always, here's, you know, public announcement. There's still stress, but I know (laughs) I can go to each of these people and like we hold each other with kind of respect and, and we adore each other. And like, there's a sense of humor about what we do. And like, those are the relationships I wanted to start. And I feel lucky to have found my way to them because this was not ever by like a strategic plan but that's like the place I want to be. So starting from the place of those conversations, when you and I jumped on a call with somebody we knew and ended up with a client, well, yeah, of course it worked. And of course it's perfect now. I mean, I hope yours is perfect now too, but yeah, when you initiate that conversation, it's also indicating to the client that you're someone they want to talk to. You're, you're letting the client in on your personality and that will make everybody happier. They'll know right away. They're not for you. They'll want to dive deeper. Yeah. And I think part of the reason probably that all the shoulds, if we kind of cycle back to that and (laughs) the listing of the accolades and all of that is really coming from a place of fear and kind Mm. of maybe lack. And it's not like leaning into the abundance and goodness that could be. I think when we're not offering ourselves fully, like offering our personalities and putting our real offers out there, we are operating from here and we're operating from a scarcity mindset. If we know that there's enough and we can offer what we have to the people around us and know that there will still be more for us to give, it it will work better because people will sense that. Nobody wants to be around somebody who's scrambling. Everyone wants to be around someone who has enough, sees that they have enough and can share some with you. Yeah, mm, that's so good. And I think there is something that shifts internally. And I know that it did for me, which is when I felt like I was scrambling, then it was harder to find people and harder to reach out. And and the business that I made a go of, of being a coach for a year and then needed to go back to a nine to five, which honored everything I needed to do. And I'm grateful for it because it taught me a lot. But I think my demeanor coming to the business was totally different. And then when I made the shift and realized, okay, I'm not, I'm not a full-time coach. I'm a podcaster. And what does that mean? And then saying yes to that, my entire energy and approach and confidence, like all of it, once it hit alignment, now it's spot on. And I'm going to admit there are days that are hard, yes, but none of it feels like I'm scrambling ever. It just doesn't. And I'm sure that just shifted my entire way of being. I've also spent a lot of time doing work on scarcity versus abundance mindset. I think for me, the change is that when I feel feelings of scarcity bubbling up, I know how to handle them now. And I also know that I don't have to stay in them. And I've developed the tools to get out of that mindset. Also, when I'm in a scarcity mindset, I start to think about what I could give. Like, what can I give to my clients? Really, because it is my clients that I, that I think about. What can I give to my clients that's going to make their day better? Because that will lift my mood. What can I give to my Instagram feed that might make their day better, that might help their businesses? What is it that I have that I'm holding back, that I'm scared to 
set free. Yeah. That helps me a lot. Yeah. I love that. And there's a, a past guest, Logan, he's music makers. I'll link up to it because there's an interesting through line right there. He would talk about how he always gives one, I believe, without any sort of expectation of receiving anything back, like it just giving to give. And that he, mm. he always goes the extra mile just because he wants to. And I think there's something fundamentally different about how a lot of people approach both marketing and also how they approach working with clients. But I think there's something very different about coming at it with that kind of, I want to say a servant's heart. Like it's this beautiful wanting for them to have the best outcome and to give them as much as you could and to love their business as much as you love your own, that it comes from Mm -hmm. that place. And then everyone wins. Like that's, that's the magic. This is a really good tie into talking about pricing and marketing. So yes, I used to, I used to do an hourly rate and every once in a while for as a favor, I will still do an hourly rate, but I have just stopped that almost completely because I want to be able to give the most I can give to my clients and feel good about it. I don't want to limit myself to just whatever it is that we're um, that we said in the original package. Obviously, I'm not going to spend a bajillion extra hours working on it. They get what they get, but I want to be able to give each person the time and care and know that I'm being adequately compensated for my energy and. When I shifted my pricing to that, like everything got so much better and so much easier. I wanted to be more generous with my clients. And in order to do that, I had to change my attitude about money and about pricing. I like that a lot. Podcasting is month over month. So I've had a client that was on a retainer basis and I know I set it too low. So I think it's also Mm. that magic of because then I was like, uh, this is a lot of work for what I'm making. <laughs> and I think yes. so it's honoring that too in yourself. But I'm also grateful because that taught me, okay, exactly what you're saying. is I want to be at that place where I'm charging the amount that feels good to me and where a client also has skin in the game. I mean, that, let's be honest, that we're both honoring energetically and monetarily the relationship that we're creating and the amount of things that we're doing for each other. I love that you brought that up. 100%. Well, I think I think you can't talk about marketing without talking about pricing. That's a big mistake because the price is part of your marketing. The price tells the client how much commitment they're going to be making. And the way you share the price with them says a lot about who you are and how you're going to be dealing with that client. I am a huge believer in having my rates on my site. And what I do now is I charge for packages in blocks. I do two weeks, four weeks, and six weeks of partnerships. And my pricing is right there. So people will know what level of work they're going to get from me and what I expect from them. Mm -hmm. Um, And they also know that they have me for the set amount of time and we can pivot if we need to. Yeah. So I'm very direct, very open very honest about my pricing and why I need it that way. Yeah. But there are people who say, oh, never tell the price until they've expressed interest in yada, yada, yada. And that just feels incorrect to me. It feels like I would then be attracting the wrong client. I'd be attracting somebody who 
wasn't prepared to put the work into it or for whom it would be too much of a stretch and then I'm disappointing them and that's not going to make them a future client. That's going to make them a future bitter, resentful person who doesn't like me anymore. (laughs) You know, there's something really, I think there's something to be said for honesty in marketing and in pricing. Yeah. I'm really glad that that you've brought that up because I think too often and almost always, actually, we talk about marketing as this outbound kind of communication plan, but then we don't necessarily talk about then the next step, which I mean, for most people, if they visit our website, anyone's website, I mean, you'll see the marketing lingo there about what I do and what I'm offering. And I think you're right. There's a distinct disconnect if you're not then saying, and this is what my rates are, because it's a lovely gatekeeper, really, if nothing else that says, here's what I charge. And energetically, if that's not a match, or it's not a match for what you can afford, well, then you know, and then there's none of the back and forth of inquiry or whatever that you have to field even. Yeah, it puts you on a very equal footing. Mm -hmm. All the cards are out on the table. I think, yeah, I love what you said about people thinking of marketing as being this outbound thing, but you have to remember when you're marketing, you're not just looking for clients, any clients, you're looking for your clients. You're looking for the people who are looking for you. I follow this coach who's also a friend from college, Simone Soul, and she asks you to look at your budget and figure out how many clients you need in a year to make your desired income. And I looked at my pricing list and I realized I only need 30 clients a year to make my ideal income. That's like three a month. Yeah. So there are going to be all of these days when nothing is happening. Like each month, there are going to be, you know, 27, 28 days when nothing is happening. And there will only be two or three days when something does happen and something does shift in my marketing but that's all I need because I'm looking for those right 30 people. Yeah. And there's something really freeing because I mean, I know one of the things that I do is I actually have in my planner a set of boxes (laughs) and I call it a shopping mall. But like, you know, you have a couple of anchor stores and those are like, I have a couple of larger clients. I also have some smaller clients, which are like this, the other stores in the mall that are Like, how do I fill all those places? And for me, since some of it's retainer based, it's it's not as many, but with a couple of big anchor stores slash clients, then I'm good. And then I'm going to fill up the carts, you know, that maybe are in the middle and I'm filling in the little other stores. And it gives me that kind of like, ooh, I could shift this. And if I can get my anchors filled, you know, it's a lot easier to fill the rest of the mall, honestly. (laughs) You know, this analogy of the store is great, too, because you're choosing them. You're choosing who you're working with. You're choosing the size package you're working with. That's a very abundance mindset type of analogy to say like, oh, yeah, these are this is my store and I am filling up these boxes. It's not a scrambling mentality. Yeah. And it. I think it's an interesting shift, again, that happened after I kind of embraced, like, this is what I do. And here's what I, and yeah, you're right now, even the language that I use is, and this is how many I can fit right now. And Mm -hmm. if I take more, it means that I will grow and I'll need a second producer. And, you know, like, so it's that, like, I can see how the mall can expand. (laughs) (laughs) Not how I'm like scrambling to get like, a couple of lower level paying people in to cover bills. Yeah. So that's, that is really interesting. Thank you so much for bringing it up that 
Like we can't really have the marketing conversation without thinking through how we also talk about what it is that we charge for our services. I think that's often missed. So thank you. The stuff I think about all day. So (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. We didn't really get to talk about your Mad Libs. You want to talk about your Mad Libs for a second? And then if you'll share where people can find you and like what kind of work you're doing right now, I would love that. Great. Yeah. Okay. So the Mad Libs is, that was my first real piece of work when I was diving into professional bios. Like I was trying to think what is the best way to get people out of the mindset that a professional bio is this arduous, time-consuming, very serious thing you have to put together. And honestly, I don't even remember how I came up with the Mad Libs idea. I just know that it was right. (laughs) Yeah. It's awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And Um, I appreciate, again, that there's kind of the formula of this is fun. And it is. You made it really fun. But also, how do you narrow that down a little bit further so you have no longer the awkward elevator pitch, but you have something that feels really authentic? You're challenging yourself a little bit to talk about the thing you love instead of, you know, the accolade thing or the you know, whatever your degree yeah. is when you're at a cocktail party, like who cares? Like, nobody wants to have a conversation with you. Like you said, <laughs> yeah. about that. So, I mean, in Europe, what do you do is like the third or fourth question that <sighs> the people ask, you know, yeah. they really want to know what your interests are first. So I try to, I try to adopt that attitude. How continental. Yeah. So let's see. People can yeah. find me on my website, yoursacredrecord.com, sacred record was taken when I was first starting out. So it's yoursacredrecord.com. Awesome. And you can also find me on Instagram, which is where I spend a lot of time, probably more time than I should. It's also where you're most likely to spot the puppet. Um, Instagram.com slash sacred record. Awesome. And that's sacred as in holy, not secret, which I've had people come up with before. And what I'm up to next. So I just opened up my Streamline Sessions package, which is something I've been having a ton of fun with. It's just when people bring me their messiest problem and we lay it out on the table and we figure out what the through line is, exactly as you were talking about, and come up with an action plan. And I decided to create that because I wanted a little bit of a more free-for-all option. (laughs) And because when I create this kind of option, I end up meeting so many cool people. And that is my favorite part of my job. Mm-hmm. Like I just meet the most random people doing the most random, wonderful things. And a lot of them turn into friends. So um, cool. that's going to go through March. I'm booking through March. And then in March, my class will be running. Seize your story. So I offer a group class to, that is a five-week crash course in talking about yourself. <laughs> so... It's a pretty great deal, if I say so myself, because you leave with um, a professional bio, a long-form bio, a short-form bio, some AV samples, and preliminary branding ideas. So Very it's cool. also just so much fun. Like People really come out of their shells, and you really get to know the people in the group, because everybody's writing about themselves all the time. Total confidence booster. I'm very excited about this round. (laughs) And I will link up to each of those in the show notes. Thank you. And so let's jump to our last 
question. Last and most joyfully, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? Okay. So I was thinking about this question pretty hard. So in your environment, 300% add plants. However many plants you have, you could add a couple more. Um, And I say this as somebody who lives in New England since uh, last year, we had no plants at all in my house and it was so sad. And this year it's like walking into a jungle. Mm. Wonderful. I love that. Second, I have a toddler, so I'm a little biased on this one, but do something incredibly silly and share it either with a child or online. So I love to make silly faces. I love to make up silly songs and so on. So if you have a child around, just share it with them. They are the best audience. They are. (laughs) Instagram is a pretty good second. And people love seeing joyful things. I mean, they just do. It's true. Yes. Yes, they do. And then my last and biggest one is one of the things I think that we miss out on a lot as a culture in the U.S. is group singing. Singing in a group is one of probably my deepest sources of joy. My friends and I do it all the time. It helps that the church I attend only sings a cappella. And so I grew up doing a cappella singing. And my friends and I all know the same songs. When you sing, you feel the vibrations coming from other people, like the actual physical vibrations of their voices. And when you sing as a group, there's something like really physical and primal about the experience, like you making your vibrations and making their vibrations and all of it culminating in this like, joyful noise. And I just don't think we do it enough. I also don't think there's any way to sing a pop song and stay sad. I love that. Thank you so much, Susie. This has been so much fun. Yes, it has. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you want to find out more about this episode, including links to the things that we've talked about, You can find the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com and you can search for this episode right up there in the right-hand corner of the website and you'll find it. While you're on the website, I know you're going to want to sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is Three Joyful Things. It's where I take a look and give you guys the behind the scenes of what I'm really thinking about with each episode, including the inspiration, intention, and action along with the choices that you can make in your own life to bring some of the things that each guest or I share into your everyday life. So it's a lot of fun. You can find the sign up for that off the homepage or within the show notes of every episode. And I would love to connect with you. I hang out a ton on Instagram where my handle is jumpstartyourjoy. You can also find the Facebook page for this podcast at jumpstartyourjoy. So I hope you guys will come on back next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.